Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode is powered by Den Certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400-hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. Hey, and if you like what you hear in this episode, um, stay tuned for more information because she's actually doing an amazing event with us in August. So keep listening because she will be here doing her own medicine reading ceremony. Hello and welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal. I am your host and also the founder of Den Meditation. I love today's episode. We got Mama Medicine on. Her name is Deborah Hannekamp. She's based in Soho, New York, where she has her own space, where she does these incredible ceremonies that integrate over 17 years of her own personal experience and wisdom. At age five, she started seeing people's auras, or as long as she can remember, she's seen people's auras. So we really dig into how what your aura means, what your your actual auric field, and how you can hurt it without even realizing it, whether be tobacco, drinking, drugs, sex, all the things that actually poke holes or make us a little more porous. And you think that's not important, but your aura and your energy field really is all about the decisions you make, where you're going, how you're feeling, are you happy, are you sad? So these are all really cool, slight things to do to actually shore up your aura. She is all about self-empowerment. That's what her healings are about, even the one-on-one healings. How can you dig down inside and actually bring out the shaman in yourself, which I love. So she really talks about practical ways you can actually start getting in touch with your intuition. And I promise you it's not a meditation because usually there's a meditation. She actually tells you things and exercises you can do to strengthen the conversation with yourself and your own energy because we all can do it. She's also just got an amazing story. It was not an easy childhood, people, and she talks about it so gracefully and beautifully. And I think so much of what she has to say, whether we're talking about business, energy field, spirituality, death, being a mom, it is so relatable and she is just fun and delightful. I really hope you enjoy this and also stay tuned till the end because her personal practice where she dives into one of her ritual baths, which is all about empowerment. Um, but I'm really excited to finally have you here because I know we've been trying for so long and you're so busy. 
Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. I think these things happen when it's the right time. Thousand percent. Yeah. But I want to like kind of jump in where you and I were chatting before we mm-hmm. actually started recording, which um, Deborah actually had a yoga studio years ago. She has her own studio now in New York as well, but one where it was like all yoga classes on one floor and you were saying all healing on another floor and you were, it was yours. You were in mm-hmm. charge, you were managing. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the moment when she decided to kind of put that aside Mm -hmm. and change your focus. And the reason I want to jump in, one of the things you said first was like, I've had a business since 19. So I want to talk about that. It's not that I can't do business or don't like doing business or I'm not good at it. And you're clearly good at it. It was just you having to figure out what was right for you. And you were saying for you to be able to heal people in a bigger way, you had to be able to put more attention on yourself. So the reason I want to jump in on that is I find that, and I know we're like really jumping into it. Yeah. I find that topic to be fascinating because there is that weird dynamic of like, when is it selfish? When is it giving? When mm-hmm. is it narcissistic? When are we just caring too much about others? Like, what is the balance and how do you know which one you're actually serving when you start actually going through this thought process? I just really, can I just say I love that we are talking about business on a meditation podcast? Yes. <laughs> because I really think it is actually so important to like integrate those worlds absolutely and there are like really amazing people out there doing really amazing things with like amazing dreams but the idea with like consciousness and presence and meditation is to be able to have the endurance and stamina and and persistence and patience and perseverance to ground those dreams down into reality and you know healers meditation teachers really they all are having their own business yoga teachers massage therapists it it is your own business and you know it's not about only focusing on that or really doing it for money or things like that but it is about like getting the groundwork all set up and all nice and clean and organized like this room is so beautifully clean and organized and so we feel spacious and we feel open and we feel grounded within it And that's the same, like, the business aspect of healing work. It's the sort of masculine chalice holding the feminine water and wellspring of information that has to come through. That's a constant balance. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. Yeah, no, I'm glad we're talking about it. And I think that's always a weird thing for people. I mean, when we first opened, oh, my God, we would get some hate mail sometimes. People are like, how can you monetize this ancient blah, 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 blah. And it's... And it's that whole thing. It's like, oh, my God, like, first of all, we're providing it to so many more people. That's the whole point. We have to pay the rent in order mm-hmm. to do it. And you, like now people used to scream about that with yoga before. Mm-hmm. And like you can also go jogging on your own and do your own push ups and your own sit ups. But yet most people pay somebody for that, too, mm-hmm. or or an app or a video. So it's it's fascinating, actually, the duality. And I do think, though, as a business owner, and I'd be interested to know what your point of view was on it, especially in a world like this. I think the tricky thing for a lot of people and the hard thing, like you're saying, is that duality of the masculine and feminine is keeping the intention strong of what the point of it was and why you're doing it and what its existence is and keeping the authenticity of whether it be you, if your voice is what kind of captures the business or whether it be the authenticity of the purpose, like whatever, you know, if it's your face of the business then it's your own authenticity, if there was a purpose you started it, then the authenticity of the purpose keeping that really strong and alive, I think really helps that balance maintain. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, 
I can talk about it from a personal Please. experience. You know, when I was eight years old, and I always feel like if we're having a hard time finding direction or finding our truth, we just need to focus on what we wanted to do when we were eight. Oh, my God. I love that. Right? Like, my, my daughter, she's six. She's so clear. Like, she's so in her truth. She does or does not want to do things. It's very obvious, you know? And, and it's I, like you know exactly who she is. Yeah. And she knows who she is. Well, for me, when I was eight, I knew that I wanted to heal the world. And it was like a big dream. But I, I knew that that's what I was here to do. How did you know that? And did it, like, was that something you remember thinking yourself? Or is this something that came back within stories and now the reflections and the memories are kind of what make you know it? Well, there are the, the stories from family members and, and things like that. But I, I remember knowing that, you know? I remember knowing, like... There's a reason why I am so sensitive and there's a reason why like I can feel so much happening around me and it's because I'm here to help. And I, I started helping, you know, within my family and within my community at a very young age, you know, even at that time or even before that time. And I I thought there had to be all these different things that I would hide under in order to help in a massive way. So like yoga for me, for example, it was like, oh, this is, I find this very healing, you know, for myself when I practice yoga, I feel balanced and aligned and open. This must be the way that I'm meant to help others to heal. And so I taught yoga and I taught yoga teacher trainings and had my yoga studio and healing center. But yoga, it wasn't, it wasn't really truly me. And then, you know, in the healing center part, I had Reiki and spiritual counseling, but Reiki was almost something else I was hiding under as well. And, you know, I went back and forth to the Amazon for eight years and studied shamanism. And then I was like, maybe, maybe it's like ayahuasca ceremonies. And it kind of came all to this like culmination point um, around when I had my daughter and I was like, I really just want to teach her confidence. And so the one thing that I have to do is be a confident woman and set that example to her because we can never really tell anyone anything. You show know? It. Um, and so I looked at like, what, what do I really want to be doing in the world? And it's not about the attention being on me. It's about me empowering other people to see that they already are their own healer and guru and shaman and master and teacher. All of that is already within them. And I want to be the person flipping on the light switch for that, and that's it. And in order to really do that, I do have to pull the attention to be more on me and my message, and I have to be more okay with being out there in the world and being on podcasts and, you know, um, and being seen more. But it does all just go back to that first initial purpose and understanding of what I'm really here to do in the world and anything that is outside of that like different different collaborations that sound exciting or like it's I almost feel like I'm being tested like are you going to get distracted you know are you going to get distracted from that path of remembering that it's all about helping others be their own healer and that's it you know 
I love that because you hear all the time, once you gain clarity of your own, of what your purpose is, Mm -hmm. decisions are so easy that way because you just put that up as your post. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, does it serve it? Does it not serve it? Yay, nay, bye, yes. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what, no matter how exciting or how hard it is to say no to something or how hard it is to say yes to something, it's just, is it serving this purpose? Is it not? It's not moving on. It is? Okay, let's go down that path. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that you got that guiding post. So, but let's go into kind of like the nitty gritty of getting it. Clearly you wanted to be a healer and I want to go back to kind of you as a child at some, Mm. at some point too, but you have this yoga studio, you have all this pressure at this point, you have a ton of people coming in, not only for you and your medicine and your healings, but also for yoga classes, Mm -hmm. you have teachers depending on you, Mm -hmm. clients depending on you, probably a pretty thriving business, though I'm sure it's also hard knowing the space, like Mm -hmm. And there's ego. I don't care who you are. We all yeah. have ego. So yeah. there's ego somewhat attached to it, even if you have you can manage yours. Yeah. Talk to me about when, what did it feel like or what was it that all of a sudden was pushing you that you had to start thinking about this differently that started making you be like, this is a change that I need to do. Because it wasn't like you were shut down. It's not like you went out of business. Like you chose to yeah. move on. It was, it was very interesting. It was like a perfect storm of things. I... Um, So I was building up like 30 different people's careers, like yoga teachers and healers and and things like that. And, you know, not really understanding how important it is for people to do that work themselves, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I I would take people and introduce them to my following and like try to build them up through my following. But then my clients would go to their classes or to their healings and be a little bit off like caught off guard like what is this that we're getting into you know so not really understanding that I'm almost disempowering the yoga teacher the healer by giving them a following to walk into and how important it is for them to build it up themselves and the the result of that energy leak was it completely draining me you know like I like spending so much time like you were saying like behind the front desk or like patching things up fixing (laughs) leaks like doing you know working on the space making everything perfect and essentially working 12 hour days six days a week nonstop. and so at the end of five years of doing that I just I I would say like burnout like total burnout and like a really strong reaction to that burnout too where all of a sudden like I woke up one day And I realized everything in my life that was draining me because I lived next door to the yoga studio in Healing Center. Oh, my God. It was a dream. Which is great and also awful. (laughs) It was like a dream, by the way. Like, you know, this was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, And I opened in 2007 there. And I had a backyard with a fireplace. Oh, my God. It It was like a dream place and the community of people coming were so beautiful and I really think that that's why I was meant to go because there's still people from that time that I deeply love and have such good relationships with you know but I was living next door and I I was I had a a partner who was a very lazy person you know (laughs) and I I'm a very very like energetic like almost almost too hyper. It's so person, funny because you, know? you come off so mellow. Like when you walk in a room, it's like, it's almost like an undulating water. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> well, like when jello moves or like when water is super still and there's just like, you see one slow ripple. Like that's what it feels mm. like when you walk in. You wouldn't guess that it's like, yeah, I but mean, you're clearly powerful, but. It's, you know, I 
have a calm presence. Very. But it is because I also know, like, if I have to have confrontation about something, I have zero problems So with let's it. not piss you off. Like, <laughs> just, just like, you know, like, I'll... I know I can trust myself. Yeah. I can trust myself. That's what it is. Have you always had this calm presence or is this something that's developed? Yeah, I would say I've always been like this. I always have been like a fiery human being with a calm presence. Like a, <laughs> I, that's, by the way, it's kind of genius. It's like the fox that hides. And I, like nobody knows what they're fucking with. It's amazing. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I see how you've done so much with your life. Yeah. It's it's great. Yeah. It's a smart, like, it's it's kind of an amazing setup. Not setup like you've set it up, but like that you were given this way of presence. That's incredible. I just think it's important to own these things, too. Like, I to. think, you know, I would rely too much on knowing I have this calm presence and try to, like, hide under that. But the... The fires. I mean, I live in New York City. I right. lived there for like 17 years. You have to be you, somewhat fiery. You have to be fiery to like exist. Otherwise, there. it probably destroys you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my my partner at that time also was really lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very frustrating for fire people. It's the it's the <laughs> worst. It's the worst. Like I don't mind relaxed, but he was you know, lazy is different. He, he, yeah, he like he had no get up and go. He had zero get up and go. So I was doing everything for him and it was a lot of this like ego like you said of Uh. at that time in my life up until that point just like taking in all the strays and like trying to make their life better in so many ways and he was sort of like the archetype of that pattern that I had I know it's so hard though I had a friend tell me once she goes you abhor laziness and I'm like oh I do. Like, I mean, it's like, obviously I don't, I've gotten to a place in my life now where I also accepted everyone's where they at. But at one point in my life, like laziness might've been the thing that would get me most. It's hard. If you're not lazy, it's very hard to be around if you're not lazy. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations for surviving that. But yeah. <laughs> but so like I, I, I literally woke up one morning and I realized like this, this has to go. Like he has to go. Like he, He's creating so much toxicity in my life. It's unbelievable. And I it's almost like I have to keep cleaning up, keep cleaning up, keep cleaning up, but it isn't mine. It isn't my mess, you know? And so I told him I was done with that relationship. So he moves out and he takes everything. And it was great because then all of a sudden I had this nice, beautiful, open apartment where I could start doing my own yoga practice in and things like that, which was kind of good to have it removed from my space, you know? And then I looked at my business and I was like, oh, wow, that same kind of parasitic energy, which obviously I attracted to myself, of course, is here too. And I had to, and and this this was very, very hard. I had to let a bunch of people go because, you know, like they say, like one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. And I had about seven bad apples, you know? Yeah. So I had to like let a bunch of people go. I had to like take on more classes myself. And it was, it was a very difficult time. Like it was, it was heart wrenching. It was heartbreaking. There was a lot I had to explain to the community about why I was doing it. Like, and why, why was I, because with my ex we got married and as soon as we got married I realized that yeah it was like the marriage that that right passage a, woke me up to so it funny I might I had a very quick marriage too yeah better quick 
better quick. It's it's more embarrassing, but way better quick. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it was a six-year relationship, and then there Us was too. the marriage. Oh, really? Wait, that's so funny. Yeah. Whoa. And then it was a marriage, and then, yeah, in and out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, and oh. I always say, like, in the long run, people look back and are jealous that it was in and out. But in the moment, you feel like you definitely have your head down. You're like, yep, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> like, the one who fucked up the marriage really yep, fast. that was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So it took that rite of passage going through that to be able to say. Now, was your daughter with him or no? No. Okay. No, no. My daughter had yet to come. Okay. And uh, so... He so all all of this awareness about these like different parasitic energies that I come up plus I have to explain to everybody Williamsburg not as much anymore but at that time was like a very close knit community everybody knows everybody uh, yeah. you know which I I love about that but it was like everybody was like how are you right are you okay you know what happened with your space what happened with your relationship uh, all these things and, and it like, does it all happens. It sounds like, though, if you kind of woke up with these feelings, like you were clearly going through like a big spiritual growth, you know, yeah. and they do say a lot like adversity finds you when you're growing because it's like you said, it's almost like the test. Mm-hmm. So it's like, boom, 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 you're getting hit. Honestly, like in so many ways, I could look at that moment in my life and that was a really low, 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 you know, <laughs> like divorce. And it was also like the closing of a business and all of that as a failure and Yet at the moment of my life where I experienced like the most growth and the most evolution and honestly the most clarity that is still with me now to this day. Like that set up a lot of your new posts mm-hmm. like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like the greatest failure and like shadowy of shadow experiences, but it it also like made me open my eyes and wake up and realize like how I want to do business in the world and that like yes, I am pretty good at business, but it doesn't have to be about that. Like it doesn't, I don't have to drain my creative energy in figuring out how to market things. Like I don't want to do that, you know? And so like that helped me to make so much room in my life for very good things to come in. You know, I had to let go of a lot to make room for very good things to come in. And, you know, that was also the moment in my life where, like, I think about six, no, maybe nine months of going through all of that, like, massive cleaning. All of a sudden, into my life walks the man who is my husband now. Mm. And then, like, eight months later, we were pregnant with our daughter. Wow. You know? And it was just, like, one positive thing happening after another. And I still have to be careful, even to this day, with, like, energy leaks and not trying to focus on building other people up and like because I I I do get distracted still a little bit with that not as big but I still get like little tests like are you going to do this again like are you going to are you going to get distracted are you going to hide under something else again well I loved when you said up top too about the I hit under reiki I hit under mm. yoga Because I feel like a lot of people, I mean, look, people who are listening to this podcast who don't want to go into the business, just like the healing aspects, you could probably relate to this in different ways, which is when you're interested in something and you feel like you have to take the path that's been presented or done before, and that's the only way to fit with whatever it is you're yearning for or feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, Because same thing, I've thought about it too, as like I grow in this space too and think about teaching or not. It's like, but 
do I have to teach it this just because I'm learning this or am I supposed to be doing something else? And I, I, I guess it sounds like time and trusting how it evolves for you is the only way for the answers to really let themselves be known. Mm-hmm. But what I like that you're saying is you don't necessarily, it's not going to necessarily be that, that branch that already exists or the way it's already being done. I mean, for me, it wasn't because, you know, I started out in the spiritual world at a very young age. Um, and I saw a lot of kind of charlatans, charlatans, total charlatans, and then disempowered people giving their power that they had left to these charlatans. And, you know, I was definitely disempowered so much. And I, you know, I started out very young in the the healing and spiritual world and I was a good looking kid and I got hit on by like every level of creep of like <laughs> yoga teacher or guru or this kind of thing. So and not only that, but then there were like there would be older women in the world like thinking like there was like jealousy and competition and, and it was like the shadow aspects of every world that is out there when people are doing the things that they're doing for, you know, um, the traps of, like, money, sex, power, they, you know, that shows up in the spiritual world, too. Every, yeah. It's just in, like, a white robe and, you know, in It's almost a little scarier, yeah, because yeah. it's less obvious. So yeah. talk to me about when it started, because it did. You started very young. So mm-hmm. let's talk about your past a little bit. When did you, I mean, now when you do healings and you work, what, is, what does that mean for you? You do a lot of energy work. Yeah. So what does that mean for you? And then we'll backtrack to how it started. Um, so I created a modality called medicine readings, which is basically like you, you come and I look at how can I empower this person to really be their own healer. So the idea is that you never become reliant on me. We just... I, I act as a sounding board and as a mirror to you on your spiritual path, you know? Yeah. So you come and we talk about anything you're looking to clear out or call in to your life. And then it's very collaborative and conversational. I talk to you about the things that I see in your auric field that could be hidden talents and gifts or things that could be blocking you. And then we do a whole healing ceremony to sort of like solidify you and settle you into your empowerment. You know, so like a little bit of a rite of passage of this is who you were before you came for the medicine reading ceremony. And this is who you are after. And it's one on one. It's group. It's retreat. But it took a long time (laughs) to get to the place of saying, like, okay, what I'm doing is called medicine readings. And it was when I had my daughter, when I gave birth to her, I wanted to teach her confidence only. Right. And so I sat down with the universe and I was like, what do you want to do through me? And I got medicine readings and this is the whole formula for it. And this is what it's going to be. And this is what you're going to do. And it is because like nothing else really felt very true for me. Even spending eight years going back and forth to the Amazon, right? It's like, that's the equivalent to a doctorate in some study. (laughs) Right. But it didn't feel right for me to hand people something from outside of themselves, say, here, drink this, and then you're going to be healed because I honestly think, like, that medicine is already within us, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And this is something that I knew when I was very young. This is something I knew as a child. Like, all that medicine is already within us, and it's really just about reconnecting to to nature because we are nature, and the nature that's around us will heal us. Nature is the most powerful healer. 
It's really about just remembering that we are love and the power of love and connecting to that love and letting that love work through us. And I, I knew that when I was very young. And so it let's took go back me a to long that. time to remember that. But when you said I was eight and I knew it, I just remember feeling it and knowing it. And then we kind of like jumped off we of jumped there. We jumped into so many things. Yeah, yeah, but I want to go back to it. So what did that mean for you? Like when you say like I knew it, like what did that, what was that? Do you remember moments like sitting on your bed or playing with dolls or walking out in nature? Like was the, what was it for you? Yeah, like I, I was... And I'm sure everyone's going to say she's so sexist. She said dolls. It could have been cars and trucks. <laughs> My daughter plays with all of them. But so like. for, for me, it was rocks. Rocks. Okay, rocks. good. But that's nature. That makes you sense. You know, so yeah. like I, I was really like when I was eight, I was studying geology. Like I like was studying so, it. What does yeah, that mean? Like totally. every like book all, you could all find. All the books I could find. And then, you know, I grew up in the forest in very northern Connecticut. So like out by the streams and like collecting all the stones I could find. And like you were always dirty. It was this quartz. Like, who is this black tourmaline? Like, what did, what did I find? Like going wow. back to my books to reference what I had found, you know? So for me, it was like already Did you have like rocks. a whole collection? Oh, Yeah. Had, do you had still a, have any from that? Or no? I do. You do? Yeah, I do. And my my aunt was also very into like stones and crystals, and so, and she was a traveler. She would travel all over the place, and she would bring crystals back for me. And like, look at what I found when I went to Arizona, and I'd be like, oh my god, she brought. I still have a whole box of crystals that she brought me from a trip once. Wow. Do you yeah. have siblings? Yeah, I have an older brother. Anything like you, or are you guys totally different? My brother is a very, very, very intelligent person. He, we are very different in so many ways. Like he, he likes to, um, he likes to like stay close to home. Yeah. You know, he doesn't like to cause a disturbance at all. You know, <laughs> he's very respectful. He's, he's very, he's very, very uh, intelligent, and, but we do connect in a spiritual way very strongly, you know, but he has like a much more like scientific mind about things. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a much more intuitive mind about things, I would say. And you were always like that. Mm -hmm. Did you, so you started playing with like rocks and crystals, yeah. which was amazing. Could you feel the energy from the crystals as a kid? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a good example of, um, like a story from when I was like very young that my family has told back to me is I was in the car with one of my aunts. I have a huge family. So each time I say aunt, it's, it's like, like another totally one. <laughs> it's, it's huge. Both sides, huge family. But um, I was in the car with one of my aunts and her boyfriend had just passed away. And I um, gave her a total channeled message from him. It was like I heard him speaking to me and then I let him speak through me to her. And that's not something I do now for many reasons, but I, I was like four years old when that happened. And so you don't know like energetic boundaries really then. Anyway, so I told her and she's still like, she references that all the time. Now she's like, of course, this is what you're doing. Right. Now. Like you've always been doing this because she was having such a hard time. And then I told her this message and then it made everything so much easier for her because she felt like she had the closure that she needed. And why don't you channel now? Well, I feel there's many different reasons. I, I think sometimes things, certain things have to come through, but 
I wonder if like you were coming to see me for a medicine reading and you were like, okay, I just lost this person who's very close to me. And what are they saying to me? It's like they would only, first of all, come through if something really clear had to be said. But otherwise, am I calling them in from the great mystery and in like disturbing their spiritual process that I don't, I'm not sure about. Right. So that feels like a boundary to me. Like, I don't know what happens when we die. So maybe I should leave that alone. But if you come in and you have like grandmother that's right next to you. And the grandmother has like something that she just she wants you to feel held with. Then that's different, you know. So if they're like knocking at your door persistently. Mm-hmm. You'll open it, but mm-hmm. you're not going to go knock on theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And so you gave her that message, and then you play with crystals, and then was did all this stuff grow stronger? Like, what other things are happening, or did you put stuff aside? Yeah, it just kind of grew. It just kind of grew stronger, like. I grew up in a very religious, uh, very religious Baptist tradition. I would say like sect or cult because there was a lot of weird stuff going on. <laughs> but uh, you know, I it was also like my like sect or cult. My ex- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there's there's words for it. Um, but they had this example of ritual to me that I thought was so beautiful, which was after the baptism itself, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would go to church and I would see people being baptized, but you had to wait till you like actually had some sins accumulated that needed to be washed away. So people were more like in their thirties or older getting baptized, but I was eight and I wanted to be baptized. And I told my pastor, like, I need to be baptized. He was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I need to be baptized. <laughs> like I kept on like, you know, the fire yeah, yeah. persistent, like baptize me, baptize me. Finally, he was like, okay, fine, I'll baptize you. So he baptizes me. And then uh, like a week later, we found out that I had this giant tumor in my uh, crushing my ovary and fallopian tube. You were eight, you said? I was eight, yeah. And so I needed to go spend all this time in the hospital. And I I was like looking for redemption first. And the only way I saw it was with the baptism, you know? Now for you, so when you saw that, it Mm -hmm. wasn't just like, oh, there's this beautiful spiritual thing. I want to do it. It Mm -hmm. was like you felt this need, like you had to. Like I had to. Like this was, I. there was nothing that was going to get in my way of being baptized. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I love that story. Yeah. And then how devout were you? In that religion? Yeah. Oh, extremely, extremely. Till about when? Um, Well, you know, everything really changed in my family when I was 12 and my brother was 14. So my parents went from being these really strict, um, like religious, like church going people to like everything sort of blowing up. And, um, what does that mean? Like my, my dad, he started like working all the time, but like there was a lot having of other affair. stuff going on. And my, they, like when we were older, like having an affair, yeah, keep going. <laughs> and my, my mom's reaction to that plus reaction to like undealt stuff from her childhood was drinking and mixing alcohol with, um, prescription medication and so we went from having this very strict upbringing to like no no rules no, no nothing one gave a no, shit. no parents no nothing and my mom um was like re- it was really it was really bad energy when she was drinking it was like a very unsafe environment and so you know when i was 13 i started getting kicked out of my house and you know like 
would spend nights in the woods, um, like in a tent and things like that. By and yourself? Yeah, yeah. And Now, did you start doing that because you wanted to get out or because you were... No, I would, get, I would get kicked out. I would get kicked out. I would run out. It was like bad fit. Also, I was like in this rebellious phase. At 12, yeah. You know, like, like really just... A lot was happening. And now, you were sensitive to energy, I'm guessing, yeah. right? So yeah. was this, especially as a 12-year-old when you're already hormonal and everything's all over the place yeah. anyway, did, like for you, what did it manifest as? Was it like anger? Were you, I keep going like this because I remember how I felt like as a 12-year-old, yeah. like I could yeah. feel the emotion that I just carried. Like what was it for you? Yeah, it was definitely really angry yeah. and really reactive and... I think, like, actually a lot of very angry, wound-up people are extremely sensitive people, yeah. you know? Um, and where were you with your crystals at this point and stuff? Like, was it, you know, kids sometimes, like, put that hobby aside? Were you still kind of... No, I was still very... Into it. I w yeah. So, you know, when I was 13, I started... Uh, I found psychedelics when I was 13, you know, I started doing like mushrooms, shrooms, yeah. mushrooms and like LSD and things like that. And I was really into like art and I got more, I opened the door more into mysticism, you know, mm -hmm. and it really like it really all the rebellion really started at 13 and a little bit at 12. But it was also at 12 when I was talking to my friends about the, like the aura and like the colors I saw around people. I didn't have a word for aura yet. But did you? When did you start seeing auras? I think when I, I think when I was five because wow. I had a head injury, and I never remember not seeing auras. You know, so I think maybe like, I don't know, but I'm wondering if maybe this head injury that happened right near my eye, like woke up. And so no matter what, like we, there's three of us, including you in this room, like when mm -hmm. you walk in, you see all of our, or like no matter yeah. what, right now, it's kind of like when you're in like a car wash, there's always something around it. For exactly. You. Exactly. And that's just your vision. Yeah. Always. Yeah. It's just like noticing people's eye color or not yeah. so like if i'm really looking at you i'm paying attention to like this is some kind of really beautiful hazel situation she's now like that, right? staring <laughs> it's like it's like a green blue green blue yeah the, but you're not really like paying attention to it like i like sometimes when people come for medicine readings i'll even like forget to tell them the actual aura color because i'm just telling them everything that it means and right. i'm like oh yeah but that's right here's the colors too yeah but, and does it change like if I were sitting here and I was like, oops, sorry, my phone's ringing, and I picked up the phone and let's say I got a bad piece of information, mm -hmm. would you be able to see mm -hmm. the whole aura colors change on me during that conversation? Mm -hmm. See, that's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. And then I'm guessing while you do your work, you watch the aura change as well. Mm -hmm. And we'll get more, I want to get more into that. So we'll finish, I want to talk about your story, but let's get, I want to talk more about like the actual aura and holes in it. Mm -hmm. And how, now I've heard your auric field can go, miles and miles yeah so how what do you see yeah uh I actually have a really interesting experience of that uh one of my friends invited me to go see the Dalai Lama amazing and I was like oh wow this should be really interesting and like not to be invasive but I really wonder what his aura looks of, like of you course know? <laughs> so, we all do you just get to see it <laughs> like so I I go and the guy has no aura I was going like, to say that. That's so funny. I was going to say, I bet you he had no aura. Where is his aura? 
And I, and so then I'm like, what the hell? And the guy is in the arm, like I'm here, like, wait, who is he? And then as we were leaving, left the building, crossed the street, I felt all like his massive, so like opal, opalescent aura. Like I had stepped out of it and I was like, whoa. See, that's amazing. Yeah. It's so massive that mm-hmm. you can't see it while you're within it. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you probably see you're the edges, it. I guess you're seeing yeah. the edges. Yeah. But you're in the aura, you know? Got it's, it. It's edges, but it's also like all around. But right. He, the only other time. But I mean, like, let's say mm. if everyone's aura goes miles and miles and his went even for whatever, the part that you see is the part that's here that's closest to us, but it doesn't, like, all of ours might be expanding further. It's just that's the part you don't see, maybe. But his, from the closest, it's just he's so strong, right? I don't know. I know I'm babbling right now. <laughs> well, we're, it's like, what if. I don't know. What if he is like just a really powerful mirror of the collective consciousness, you know? So like I can't see his aura because we're we're all that connected. I wonder. And then he's just the representation of it? Yeah. I wonder. Yeah? Yeah. He then be thankful it was like opalescent and nice, by the way. Yeah. Versus like some dark, gloomy cloud. That's true. (laughs) Um, That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I love that you're just staring at him. You're like, what are you, like Spider-Man, like putting on the mask and like you hide it? Or maybe he's like, no one look. Yeah. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) Sorry for the interruption, but I think you will like to hear this since she is so amazing. I just wanted to make you guys aware that August 16th at the La Brea location, she is going to be doing an event. It's a medicine reading ceremony with our very own Mama Medicine. It's in the middle of the afternoon, so grab friends. It's 1 to 2.30, and it is an event. She's not always in L.A. As you know, she's New York-based, so this is kind of incredible and rare. And just so you know what's going to happen, it's going to be a collective reading, and then the ceremony is full of sensory experiences combining sound, crystal healing, energy balancing, intuitive readings, and spiritual guidance. It's $75. Go to denmeditation.com. Go to workshops. Scroll down and find it. Reserve your space. This is going to be such a cool event. I can't wait. Okay, it's time to talk about our next Den Talks Live. These have been so great. You guys are going to be obsessed with this next one. It's July 26th, a Friday night at the La Brea location. We have Paul Selig. He is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. He's written some incredible books. He does not do events very often, but he is going to be here to not only talk about what channeling is, to dive into that energy, but he's also going to do a reading for us. So how cool is that to be in the room and be able to have a chance to talk to someone who can channel? This is huge. It's rare. It's going to be amazing. Join us. Again, that's Friday, July 26th. Typical Dentox Live. You get your Q&A portion. There'll be fun goodies and giveaways as well and a chance to mingle at the end. We can't wait to see you. Go to dentoxpodcast.com and reserve your spot. Okay, so we're going back. You're now, you're 12. You've, you've seen auras since you were little. Mm-hmm. You never questioned it because that's just how you always saw people. Mm-hmm. And then when did you start talking about it and realize that you're the only yeah, one, so not the I, only one, but probably the only one out of your friends who sees people this way? When I was 12, I was casually mentioning the colors around someone in conversation and I was in a group of friends and they all like looked at me and laughed and they were like, what are you talking about? And uh, then I realized not everybody could see auras. So I went to my library at school and I looked up like seeing around colors around people and that's the aura. And I read, I looked at William Blake's art cause he was painting the aura 
and um, books from like the Theosophy Society. And so that moment was actually like my gateway into like mysticism, all things mystical, you know? And it was also the time in my life that was like very challenging. Everything was changing. But what did you feel as a human? Like, I know I just joked about Spider-Man, but mm -hmm. did you feel like superhero-ish at all? Was there anything of like, what power do I have? Because like, you're young, you don't understand the, like, or maybe you do, maybe you understood the greater concept of it. But like, what is that like to all of a sudden be like, oh, I have something nobody else has. And it's, it's a piece of information that's pretty big. I was like, at first, honestly, I was like, what is wrong with me? You know? Right. Like, because some of the books that I was reading, they're like, well, if you if you see colors around people, you could have a brain tumor. Or something. Oh, God. And I had, already, <laughs> I had already had a tumor, tumor, so I was like, oh, no, you know. Um, so then I, then I started really noticing, okay, well, this person has purple around them, and they're very, like, dreamy, and um, they have, like, these attributes, so this is what purple is, and this is what yellow is, and blue, and this is what the combination of these different colors are, and all of that. Now, with your friends, let's say that friend group, mm -hmm. like, how much, I know colors change, like we said, if I got a bad call, or mm -hmm. if you're going through something, or you need something, there's blocks, but does everyone have, like, one kind of essence of a color that's always with them, and then other things change around them? Is yeah. there, like, one essence that's kind of, like, who you are that's always a certain color, and then it just gets the stuff around it kind of represents more of like where you are? You have a base color, but then if you're thrown off by something, I might not see that base color. At all? Yeah. Like you have to kind of like scrape the paint off. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But it, I don't know if it is necessarily like, like the base color needs to be transformed in every way. All, all the colors, they're not necessarily good or, or right. bad, they're you know? There's certain shades of colors that I see around people that I'll be like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> like what does that mean? Yeah. Like, uh, if I see yellow ochre around someone, it's like a lot of addiction. And I feel like, oh, no, like, we have to get into that, you know? Right. So it did make it really hard for me to understand boundaries at a young age because I would be, like, telling people things that they were not ready to hear. And so they were not asking me. So give me an example, especially as like a teenager or something you probably said to someone and they were like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so much of that. <laughs> <laughs> probably write a whole book on it. Yeah. Things not to say when you start having spiritual. <laughs> yeah, when, you're, when your intuition starts waking up, like how do you, how do you find those boundaries? But, you know, like, even, even more recently, even not when I was a kid, there's been some of this, like, I, when I first started coming out to L.A. to work, I was staying with friends, and I walked in, and I saw the yellow ochre with, like, a really deep, dark, very dangerous shadow around the, um, the husband of the couple I was staying with. And I was like, oh, no, like, this is this is not good. Like, it's a color that to me means, like, addiction that's going to lead to suicide for sure. And I had seen that color around people in my past and, like, not said anything or said something but didn't intervene enough. And then the person ended up checking out after, and that happened twice before. So then I saw this color around him, and I was like, 
this isn't good. And they were trying to pretend like everything is okay. You know, it's a, like very Southern feel like, hey, how are you? What's up? Like all, everything's good, all of that. And I was like, something really bad is happening. So I told him what's going on. And he was like, you have to talk to my wife. And so I spoke with her and a bunch of stuff had just blown up in their marriage. And he reacted to that through like drugs and alcohol. And he almost beat somebody. And he's a very nice person. Right. He almost like beat somebody up within an inch of their life. And he, he was in a really bad place. And so I was like, okay, look, either you are going to come back to New York with me or I'm staying here with you, but I'm not leaving you here like this. So what do you want to do? And so he came back to New York with me and my husband and I detoxed him and it was like a really intense experience um, and like crossed everything I know about boundaries. <laughs> but like now today he is like he's there. I've maintained friendships with both of them. You know, she's in a much better place. She's much healthier and he has moved on. He's getting remarried. He's like, he's got like a whole new life happening now. That's you know? amazing. Yeah. And they probably wouldn't have said anything and it just would have gotten really toxic. Mm. It was going to, it was going to be really bad. It was going to be really bad. Is it hard for you to, to walk through life seeing those? Cause you can't turn it off. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, even if you're walking down the street and mm -hmm. I mean, New York is so busy. It's so the amount of people that pass you. Do those things catch your eye or do you just get so used to it you don't even notice that you walked down the street? But like if you see something like that, do you automatically like le look left to focus on it, you know, or? I try, I try really hard um, to trust people's path. Like I have to try really hard to trust the path of their spirit and that they are, are going where they're meant to and things like that. But sometimes it's just it's hard for me to not um, want to like interfere and just like stop for a second and be like, Hey, are you okay? You know? Cause in New York, we really have that. Like people really talk to each other and yeah. I feel that there's a reason why I live there and see some of the things I do at different times. Can you see your own energy? I think so. When I close my eyes, yeah. oh. I, I wonder if like, but like if you hold your arm out, no. you don't, mm -mm. That's so interesting. So like if I hold my, if I'm like holding your hand, you'd mm -hmm. see mine, but you mm -hmm. wouldn't see yours. Mm -mm. So that's so interesting. I know. It's always confused me. I love that. So like when you're dancing with your husband, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, that's, I love that. Yeah. That's, so, that's such a cool image actually to think about. But if you close your eyes, you can see it. I think so. So do you like when you met your husband and he walked in the door, like what was the aura? What walked in? Do you remember? I think I was distracted by how handsome he was and was he really looking. <laughs> she is still human, people. She is still human. <laughs> it was more like, oh my God, that's the most handsome person I've ever seen and I can't even look at him because he's so handsome. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask like weird questions? Like, and if this gets too personal, just yeah. tell me, but now I'm like off in crazy <laughs> land. So like, auras, sex, mm -hmm. they combine or they stay separate? Oh, definitely combine. So that's what can be dangerous, I'm going to assume, about picking some partners. Like, yeah. how do you feel as, like, an energy healer then? Um, do you like the word energy healer? I think what I really most to, and I know it's a little, like, woo-woo and far out, but it's also what is most honest for me, is seer and then the S part, seer S, because 
it's feminine energy that I'm working with. So Sears. Sears. Hmm. Sears. Sears? Sears. S. C-R-S. As a C-R-S. How do you feel then about, especially like in this younger generation, which again, I have no judgment when I say this, but there is a lot of the like, a lot of hookups. Like you just hook up a lot, have fun a lot, have a lot of sex, do your own thing, like women self-empowerment that way. From an energy perspective though, what do you think about that? I mean, Can it be dangerous? It's, we're, you know, if we're talking about like energy leaks and a porous energetic field, any, any form of giving our power away is going to create a porous aura. And so... Is if, sex a huge form of giving your power? I mean, I would assume a lot of energy. It's a, it's a very... It's like one of the most powerful forms of power exchange. Right. And so if I have a lot of energy and you don't, and we have sex, I'm going to give my energy to you. You know, that's the like you're, that's pl- you're plugging in. You're literally plugging in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, so it, it creates like a lot of porousness. I, I can tell if I am sitting with someone and they have a lot of different people that they're sleeping with or what does it look like it's poor it's porousness and like it looks like the walk of shame i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) the auric walk of shame the auric walk of shame (laughs) um versus like porousness so like you can literally see like holes in it yeah literally holes in the aura and it's like dick holes (laughs) 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 Leave it to us. High class stuff over here, you yeah. guys. <laughs> High class podcast. <laughs> but after that image, let's all wipe that from our brains. Okay. So <laughs> now all I'm, I mean, this is so horrible. I can't stop. I'm like an eight year old male child. It's really bad. But like now I can't, I picture like a dick with like oh different colors God. constantly. Cause when you dip, like you're just taking it out. <laughs> it's like, they're all nodding their head. Like, stop, Tal, stop. <laughs> so bad. I really am. I have a sense of humor of a little male kid. <laughs> it's not good. Poop jokes and Pooped, dick jokes. Oh my God. If I could tell a shit joke all day long and talk about shit, Nicole knows I'd be the happiest human being ever. <laughs> Feel free. Bring it on. But, um, but yes. Okay. So porous or <laughs> now sound, I'm going to keep going because now we all know what that sounds like. I'm not even going to say it. Yeah. But a, a, an aura that has pores. <laughs> just yeah. What do you really want to ask here? No, 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 no. But I mean, I want to continue because I've interrupted you three times. So you can see that like when you're with someone now, can that energy be repaired or is it type of thing like this is something you should really think about because when you do infiltrate your aura through someone else, is that something you fully get back or like it's kind of that thing that like, no, I mean, you get it back a little bit, but once you kind of penetrate it, for lack of a better word, like it's penetrated. No, we can always heal. We, okay. can, we can always regenerate and rebirth and regroup. And, and no matter what you've been through in life, no matter how many people you've slept with, like you, you can always regroup your aura absolutely and so what do you think the things that affect your auric field the most are i'm going to guess drugs because we talked about mm-hmm. that like addiction mm-hmm. sex for good or for bad yeah for sure are there other screen time screen time really mm-hmm. i can tell when somebody is like zapped from being on the screen too much um, and what does that look like the aura is like very small especially around the eyes She's staring at me intently, by the way, right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, you know, connection to nature versus disconnection to nature is a really big one. Like, 
the after somebody has just been on a hike or something like that, the aura is so powerful and so strong. Versus like somebody who is like a little bit afraid to go outside, it's like their their aura looks weak. It's so funny because you feel that. Like mm-hmm. I don't see people, but you can feel that. You can tell someone who's a little bit more just fearful of life and like experiences, and it feels smaller. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So that is it called grounding? What is that thing that people are doing now with their feet? Like you take your shoes off and it's always making sure you're, is it called ground? Earth, earthing? Earthing, earthing. So yeah. is that like legitimately then from looking at someone's energy, something great people can do? That's the real of deal. Absolutely. That's the real deal. Like that's an amazing, very simple, be your own healer practice that you can do. Just take your shoes off and step outside. So we're going to leave sex for a second and go back (laughs) (laughs) to to your drugs and like mysticism. And like, Mm. when did you start like owning it? Mm. Is it weird to say, I think I'm still in the process of doing that. Not at all. I kind of love that. And I feel like that is very empowering for people. Yeah. Because I think when, I mean, I love having someone like you on here, A, because, and we'll get more into the power of yourself and how we all have abilities. So I want to talk about that. But I do think some people are like, well, I wasn't born. I didn't have that. So I'm never going to be that. It just becomes very discouraging. Mm-hmm. So I actually love hearing that you still feel like you're owning it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I still feel I have so much growing to do and so much integrating to do and so much like understand. I have a lot to learn. Does that excite you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's a huge deal. Like people's perspective on what they have to learn. Like, I feel like if you're excited about the lack of knowledge you have, you will acquire so much more Mm -hmm. than if it feels daunting or it'll shut you off and prevent you from pursuing it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I kind of love that. How, um, so you're still owning it, but when did you start? Because was it by 17? I think you said once before by 17, you were actually starting to put it into practice though. Yeah. And like, I was 17. So so back up a little bit to 13, my reaction to, like, everything yeah, changing yeah. in my family and have, um, having, like, no rules and stuff like that. <laughs> Living in a tent and doing drugs. I so, love it. Like, <laughs> was really a strong moment of, in my life of, like, psychedelics. And I didn't really get too much into um, other drugs or alcohol or, or like, a little bit because my friends were and things like that, but it didn't really feel like right for me and then um when I was 16 I kind of like stopped everything and then when I was 17 I had a week and in the week my dog died my aunt died and my parents told me they were getting a divorce and I needed to figure out where I was gonna live and so it went from being like partying rebellious like kind of like just fucking off to and mysticism but more in like a very far out like very ungrounded way Mm -hmm. to like wow I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life and immediately and you know college university it wasn't really an option because my dad was originally going to pay for it but then everything changed and he was like if you want to go to college your mom has to pay for it my mom was like your dad has to pay for it and I was like you know what screw it like I'm not going to ask either of you guys anything and so and also it was the same thing with like where to live like my my parents were like you have to choose who you're going to live with or you need to figure out where you're going to live on your own and so 
I just was like, okay, I'm going to live on my own. Now it's time to start my life. Was there like a <clears> lot of love missing? I mean, not that they didn't love you. I mean, that you can answer, but it's, it feels like they really forgot how to, they were, it was so much going on in their lives. They forgot how to communicate that to you or your brother. Yeah. I think like people are always like, well, what is your, what does your family think about what you're doing? I'm like, I don't, I don't know if they really care that much. You are you know? guys close now? Yeah. I really, um, I really took time away from both of them and didn't really talk to either of them for a long time. And then through the work I did on myself, really realized like I really had to forgive my reactiveness to everything that was like changing in my life at that time in order to forgive them. And now they show up as wonderful grandparents, both in their own way, but it's that's how the relationship has continued and it's it's perfect as it is like I don't necessarily look to them as like parental figures I look more like the earth is my mother and the sky is my father but I look at these two people as two human beings in their life just trying to be happy and they go about their own way of being happy yeah and it's also like if you do believe in like you choose your circumstance and your life it's they may have been your parents but they may never have been here to serve a parental role yeah and I chose I chose them I think yeah I don't know but I think I chose them and I think I had to have things really difficult at a very early age in life in order for me to meet people no matter where they're at in life no matter how many dick holes they have (laughs) (laughs) coined here you guys heard it first (laughs) and and not and not judge them you know right not judge them and maybe even be able to like maybe I can't understand exactly what you are going through because I haven't been there but I can understand what it's like to really hurt and really suffer and and I know that from experience. Were your brother and you close during that time, or was it easier for you guys to handle your shit separately? No, we were we were close. We we had each other for sure. I'm very grateful I had him because he really my brother. He's only two years older, but he he was like a little old man when he was seven, you know. Yeah. And so he really helped like keep me and like my fire and my rebelliousness in check in so many ways. And so, like, if I would want to go do something, like, like you know, the first time I was like, Mike, I'm going to Thailand. He was like, no, you're not. You're not <laughs> going. You're going to Thailand by yourself. You know, I was 22. He, he was like, you can't do that, like, freaking out. And, of course, I went anyways. But at least there was someone in my life who cared, right. you know? Yeah, no, yeah. it's true. Yeah. It's sad, like, at that age to feel like no one in your life cares. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard age to feel like nobody cares. Yeah, and there were, like, definitely a lot of traps I fell into as a young woman feeling like nobody cares, for sure. Um, but it was also, like, you know... At that time, like, I really developed my my grit in life. Like, mm-hmm. I was living in um, <clears throat> downtown Hartford, Connecticut, in a really, really bad neighborhood. Like, I've never seen a neighborhood so bad in New York in all my years there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was living with a couple of other roommates. I had four bartending jobs, and I was putting myself through community college for fine arts, and I was studying yoga and Zen meditation, and I was beginning teaching yoga, and I um, I was beginning doing healing work with people. But by the way, the fact that you didn't go to 
school school actually yeah. is amazing because it did allow you to very quickly embrace these things and kind of move them as mm-hmm. part of what you would be doing day to day, which you wouldn't have done. You would have put that off to the side for yeah, sure. I just knew, I knew what I wanted to do and there was no formal education for it nope. at all. You know, even like community college and fine arts and stuff like that. It was like, it was great, but it was still like the system and I didn't, I didn't fit it. And I needed something that was like much more, my own path and learning my own way and so like travel and things like that really came in very strong for me so you started and you said you started doing healings then Mm -hmm. what do you remember your first healing yeah um let's see I think I, I it's hard to place it exactly because I do feel even as a young child I was doing healing work and like singing over people and things like that but I think it was like one of my roommates in Hartford having a really hard time and me grabbing one of my stones <laughs> and being like here just hold this and lay down and we're going to breathe through this and it's going to be okay and then it flowing into a whole healing session you know and then me being like wow there's really something here and feeling like oh, is is meditation the way I access that and Zen Zen meditation really helped me feel like that energetic presence all the time and so like you know I I had four bartending jobs but I was just like not drinking so also at 17 I I let go of all drugs and alcohol what made you do that because I had that week in my life where, like, my dog died, my aunt died, and my parents told me they were getting a divorce. And I, I was just like, there's no room in my life for uh, complicating things right now. I have to, like, really get serious. At 17? Mm-hmm. So at 17, you were like, I shouldn't be drinking. There's a yeah. lot of shit going on. You yeah. know, most people would do the opposite. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And so, like, when I was 21, I was, like, so far removed from that whole world and um you know I was working in it like when I was you you want to know what my first business was when I was 19 yeah of course (laughs) we had to get back there at some point (laughs) so so I started bartending when I was 17 just so like you know you gotta pay rent you gotta buy food and things like that and then I started like noticing there's really this like hole in the market for liquor promotions. <laughs> I wasn't drinking at all. I was just like behind the bar working and thinking, you know. And so I started my own liquor promotions company and I would send people out everywhere. And I was working with like these really big brands, sending people out all over wow. the place to different bars. And I was 19. I like couldn't, I was not even allowed to be in the bars, but I was like, working the circuit you, you know? are you do have a good business <laughs> that's amazing I love it you're like I don't drink I don't give a shit about this but and you probably yeah. started making some real money yeah yeah enough to um send myself to uh Vancouver BC and go to yoga school there and like that's when I first was introduced to Reiki and Vancouver kind of led me back to New York but then to Thailand and I started studying uh sound healing and healing with crystals like I knew about it but I didn't know that it was like actually a thing people did you right. know mm-hmm. so when you put a when you put a crystal on someone do you still do that in your healings now mm-hmm. can you see the energy actually shift when you connect the crystal to it yeah and change yeah and sometimes I feel like no crystals for them right 
you know, like it's too too much. Like there's already enough happening. But sometimes I'm like, mm, let's bring a little bit of awareness from this particular stone to this particular part of them. What do you feel like? Because I do love, and I know I've said it already, the conversation we had about not getting trapped in certain either lineages or mm-hmm. studies, mm-hmm. but clearly they have educated you and mm-hmm. helped you. Which one, out of everything you've studied, what do you think has actually been your biggest one that you rely on? Uh, definitely, definitely um, the healing apprenticeship I did in the Amazon, for sure. Um, it's the one thing when I was like, when I was beginning medicine re- readings, I was looking at like what can I take with me and what do I have to leave behind? And like sound felt like yes and crystals felt like yes and and breathing and the energy that you feel from breathing from yoga felt like yes, that really felt like, okay, this really f- feels true to me. Um, but in the Amazon, there's so many different things. Like there's different textiles, there's different like plants and smells and things like that that you would use. But the only thing that really felt like mine from that whole eight years was the Icaros, the medicine songs that you sing, because there's a very specific way that you you receive them and you learn from them. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's a long story, but essentially like a healer's power is determined by the amount of Icaros that they know. And you don't just like learn an Icaro, like you learn a song on the radio, you hear it a bunch of times and then you can sing it. It's like you learn the Ikaro through dieting with the different plants. So like each each time you go and spend 10 days in isolation in the jungle, drinking an infusion of a specific plant, you can then sing to that plant and invoke the power of it. You know. Whoa. So the Ikaros are also just how I learned how to heal. And I did spend all that time dieting with all these different plants and I, I feel them integrated into me. And so... That that feels like even if I w- were to strip everything away, the connecting to nature through my voice to help others to be empowered around me would stay. So you were by yourself out in the Amazon for like 10 days at a time? Mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. What about like the snakes? Yeah, there's snakes. <laughs> it's the Amazon. <laughs> there's a lot of snakes. Yeah, I'm a little scared of snakes. But I mean... Never felt like you were in danger? Uh, I mean, my brother freaked out. Like, the first time I was going to the Amazon, he was like, how could you do this to me? Like, don't <laughs> go, you know? And the poor guy, you oh, know? He sounds sweet. He just wants to, like, to keep everybody close to home, safe. And right. I just was so different in that way, you know? Like, really kind of fearless and not afraid of anything. But when you were sitting outside by yourself, and I mean, it can be, as far as nature, there's mm-hmm. some big things in there you never felt like were there any moments where you're like okay be still like that you felt that I I deeply you against un- nature or were you just so integrated in it you knew you were going to be fine in the Amazon specifically right yeah the first time I that to me feels a little like if you're very wild very wild it's very and wild like wilderness you, yeah yeah so like the first time I went there I was a little freaked out because people were like, oh, there's tiny little bugs that crawl up under your skin. And <laughs> the only way to get them out is with a needle and lemon and salt and fire. And the, like, you know, there were also people around me telling me Amazonian horror stories. Right. So when I went there, the first time I was a little freaked out. And at the same time, you know, 
I got into that world after five years of being on a really strong path of um, of healing and meditation and yoga, and I thought that I had dealt with a lot of the the reactiveness and the the shit from my past. Um, but I really had only just like tucked it away and sort of spiritually bypassed a lot. And I didn't I didn't know that the first time I went to the Amazon. So I went with this like combination of fear and also energy in me that really needed to be cleared that I wasn't yet ready to face, right? So the first ayahuasca ceremony that I did when I first got into the Amazon, it was like darkness and destruction and like the the like darkest like archetypes ever like uh like I can't watch any like violent anything on TV cuz it's just too intense for me. And yet, like, all of that kind of stuff was, like, coming out, like, killing and, ugh. And then I get back to my tambo, my little my little hut, and all these bats flew out at me. And, like, then I got, like, stung by a bee, and so I ran out into <laughs> the, the Amazon jungle what, like, at night. And there was, like, a snake that, like, jumped up out of the, the forest, and then all these, like, wasps came flying at me. So that was my, my first night. Wow. And it was, like, every, all my fears, all my fears, just boom, the Amazon's showing it to me, right? But then, like, towards the end, after I worked through a lot of it, it was, like, beautiful flowers and a sloth fell on my roof right (laughs) like blue morpho butterflies and things like that so I really realized like if I have fear in me or like darkness that needs to be cleared the jungle is going to show that to me but if I have peace and and love and that calm presence that you're talking about within me then it's the the beauty that I'm going to get to see and so it is you're just that connected to it so it's going to reflect what you are Mm mm-hmm so when you do your practice now, you're very big on ritual. Mm-hmm. And you, you give, after you have your one-on-one, mm-hmm. you see their energy, you see where the holes are, and you guys chat. What do you, and do you move energy? I know you use crystals. You said you could use crystals depending on the person. Mm-hmm. Do you move energy? Do you use your hands? Do you, like, what else? What's your... Mm, it's hard to explain, um, but it is, like, a calling in of the spirit guides and guardians and ancestors of the the person I'm working with and plant guides and animal guides all and saying like come cleanse bless and protect this person and it really feels like a celebration like as if everyone in every dimension who loved you was like standing around you and holding you. I love that. Mm. And at the end, you prescribe a ritual bath. Mm-hmm. Is it the same ritual bath for everyone, or is it different depending on what someone's trying to accomplish or where they're at? Yeah, it's always different. It's always different. So let's talk about ritual baths. Is this mm-hmm. something you do daily for yourself? Not daily, but once a week, for sure. Like, for me, to close out a week of medicine readings with a bath is, like, the most healing thing. And so, like, what is a ritual bath for someone? Well... My work is very focused on inspiring people to be their own healers, right? But, like, my secret way of, like, how do, how do I really do that, though? Like, how do I really get people to understand that is through the bath. Because we're all familiar with a bath. We've all taken a bath before. Yep. Probably. Yeah. And also, you know, you can clearly see that you go into the bath feeling one way and you come out feeling another. So, like there is already a healing experience happening there. And then there's water, which happens to be one of the most powerful healing substances 
in existence, you know, that you're submerging yourself in. Um, so the ritual bath is like my secret way of getting people to start to be their own healers, you know. And as simple as just take a bath or is it Epsom salts? Is it Yeah, just herbs? just take a bath, but you know, take the bath, but maybe light a candle, maybe maybe don't take your phone and meditate or it doesn't even matter maybe like clear out your aura before you get in the bath with like some sage get some nice smells going maybe put some nice smells in your bath maybe a plant that has been really inspiring you that feels really beautiful maybe some stones some salts to cleanse your spirit and yeah yeah why not like why not drop into the calming present feeling that you have and meditate a little bit while you're in there what are rituals people should be doing every day because I do love so much of your Like you said, it is connected to nature, and you said nature is super healing, and Mm -hmm. you have it in you. What are the things, like, how aware of the moon cycle should we be as, like, the average human? How much should we be taking advantage of it? How much should we be knowing where we are connected to nature at the moment? Or is this stuff, like, yes, you can know, but you can also do this in a simpler way? You can can know, and I think it's helpful, because I think, like, if you you have a practice of journaling, right, Mm -hmm. you'll notice, like right away on a new moon you're focused a lot on like what you're calling in and then on a full moon it might be more like reflections and deep understandings that you've had you know so I think it's just interesting to pay attention to like the the cycles that nature has and how you respond to the cycles that nature has in general the the seasons you know the lunar cycles all of it um but what was the second part but, of that question? No, but basically it was how much as like just an average person should you be aware of what's going on nature-wise in the world to connect to like what you should be doing and bringing ritual into your life? You know what I want to say to this is if you want to connect to nature, like really connect to nature, just go outside. <laughs> you know, really. It doesn't like it is it's very it's very dreamy to be able to like pay attention to the lunar phases and things like that and I think it's it's perfect and it's beautiful but you know um, I'm a working mom I work with a lot of like new moms working moms stay-at-home moms and it's like you you don't always have like a lot of time and I don't want people to feel like there's one more thing that they have to do in a day and so like yes rituals if you can if you can take a ritual bath for give yourself 20 minutes that would be such powerful medicine but like if you really want to feel the healing power of nature just just go outside just go outside yeah and even if like you're in a city just go outside and look at the sky yeah just go outside it's there it's so simple and talk about, like, really quickly before, and I know I've taken up so much of your time and we'll do your four years, but everybody, if they could, could see auras. Everybody, right? I mean, talk about the healing abilities we all have inside of us. We are all energetically sensitive, everyone. Even, like, you know, one of the most powerful spiritual healers I know, for example, is a friend of mine who makes pizza. <laughs> You know, like we're we're all it's we all have a way to connect to people, and we it's because we all feel emotions, and really our emotions is the way that our intuition is speaking to us. So, like the first thing is starting to pay attention to your emotional body, because really that is your intuitive body. And I happen to see energy, but you might feel energy, or you might smell it, or hear it, or or just like sense sense it in general. 
and that's all the way your intuition is speaking to you. But if you're not necessarily sure how to connect to your intuition, start with your emotions. So I recommend going into a neutral setting like your bedroom and just seeing how you feel when you're in your bedroom. Okay, so that's like your neutral starting point. And then go into another neutral environment, but there's other different variables in there, right? Like um, maybe your office at work and notice how you feel there. And then go into like a brand new setting and maybe one with a bunch of different energies there, different people or different powerful natural energies there and notice how you feel there and then through noticing how you feel you're going to start to notice that you are actually sensing things and then you get to understand like ah my intuition speaks to my emotions and then that's what makes me feel I love that yeah it's actually like a very tangible way people can start but that's not just meditating that people can start actually getting in touch with their intuition how how often have you what's like the weirdest and maybe it's, this is a weird question. There's no answer, but like, what's the weirdest energy pattern or something you've seen? Have you ever seen anything that you're like, what is that? That's something new or different. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I feel I see that kind of stuff all the time though. Like really? that's the thing. Like I, I really feel I have so much to learn. Like even when you're asking me, do I see my own or like, I can only answer with, I think so. Right. You know, right, right, right. because it's all, there's so much to be discovered I don't know um, I don't know about the weirdest one I've ever seen because it's all quite bizarre in a way (laughs) (laughs) let's do your four U's Mm -hmm. so four four questions with quick takeaways for the audience do you journal or have a daily practice I do Um, I my my main go-to practice is waking up very early like just having my mornings to myself and getting like two hours to myself before my family wakes up so what time is that for you so I'll wake up at like five usually um on the weekends I sleep in a little bit so it's not necessarily daily but definitely like five days a week solid I'll wake up at five I'll go make myself tea um, or coffee or hot water with lemon. It depends on the day and how I'm feeling. But some sort of like warm drink. And I'll just sit and drink and then I'll drop into my morning meditation, which is literally just sitting in silence and stillness. And I give myself about an hour for it of just sitting, you know? Are you sitting at a table? Like with, or are you sitting on the floor? Like yeah, just like on a cushion on the floor just in my little spot. And your phone, have you looked at it yet or no? No, still on airplane mode. So it wakes you up. I'm guessing you do an yeah. alarm at five and then you yeah. don't touch it until you're done with this. Do you use it for a timer? Um, no. So you just meditate and assume it's going to be around an hour. Yeah. And if it's not an hour, it's okay. Right, right. You know, if it's more than an hour, it's okay. But I can feel out the time too. That's awesome. Okay. What's a helpful tip for a valuable meditation? Hmm. I think creating a a space for you to meditate in, even if like, you know, in New York City, the apartments are quite small. So like my space is actually my cushion Mm -hmm. that I carry around and it's a comfortable cushion. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite self-care hack? Um, Definitely the baths. You know, yeah, baths because it's it's meditation and medicine and self care and all of that all at once. So, what if someone doesn't have a bathtub? Then you can do a foot bath, 
and make that a ritual, which is very grounding and cleansing. Or you can make an infusion of the different herbs, and you can take that into the shower with you and, and bathe yourself in that. There we go. Um, if you had one piece of life advice to give everyone, what would it be? Patience, presence, and perseverance. That's so beautiful. Thank you. We'll, we'll come back for your personal practice. But this was so fun sitting down. I mean, who thought you'd talk about auras and dickholes? So, <laughs> so we've really, we've really um, conquered some new territory here today. I love it. <laughs> no, this was so fun. I mean, and you are so beautiful and so calming. And clearly you have fire. But your story is very inspiring. And I think for everyone alone to just remember, like, I love talking about all the, the energies and the colors and the things that can hurt it because... I think people need to remember it's not just like, oh, we all have pretty auras. It's like this is your energy field. This reflects how you feel, mm -hmm. how you act, the decisions you make, how you can, like you said, I, I see this and I can feel like it's going towards suicide versus if you can fix that aura and fix your energy field, you will have the strength to make different decisions and move through life a different way. So it's really important stuff. It's not as simple as like, don't you want to have a pretty color? Like it's, it's important. It really reflects who you are and what you're going through. Mm -hmm. So thank you for... A, your own story and just being so helpful about things we can do to help with our own. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to yeah, be no, here. Yeah, no, this Thank is great. You. Thank you. And we'll be back for her personal practice. So now Deborah's going to take us through her personal practice and really tell us how to do a ritual bath. This is a ritual bath for empowerment. And you can take this bath using all the tools that you already have available to you in your own kitchen. And with this bath, you're going to take either fresh basil or make a basil tea and put it in the bathtub. You are going to light a candle by the bath and just set a cinnamon stick down by the candle. You can place a stone that is special to you that you've found in nature or a stone that is special to you in general in the bathtub and about one cup of salt, any kind of salt will go in the bath as well. And you'll light the candle and then you'll hold the cinnamon stick up to the candle and you'll get a smoke going from the cinnamon stick and then you're going to cleanse your aura and bless your aura and protect your aura with the smoke of the cinnamon stick and just wave that around you starting from your heart going over your head and down to your feet and then you'll go ahead and you'll step into the bath and you'll dunk your head under the water to bless yourself and then take your stone and place it on your heart to remind yourself of the power of nature, to remind yourself that you are nature, and to connect the power of your heart to the power of the nature that you are, and ultimately to the power of love. And then just take a few deep breaths here, and sit and soak in the magic and medicine that you've created.
Don't forget to reserve your space. On August 16th, she's going to be in town. She's not always here, so this is a really special event. 1 to 2.30, so grab friends. Make it a fun afternoon activity. It's $75 per person. It's going to be worth it. Collective readings, crystal work, sound work, energy balancing. I mean, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait for it. See you there. Den Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people. Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks podcast, and join us there.